I hope those little uh, sound effects got your attention. So I'm doing something I've never done before or prior to, I should say, a podcast. I'm giving you a disclaimer, a heads up, full disclosure, which is my middle name. This uh, podcast features three guys that I served with back in the 1980s at Coast Guard Air Station Chicago. We had a reunion last week. And uh, last night, Friday night, we were able to get together, and it was only supposed to be about 45 minutes. Two hours later, I think we weren't even still finished, but I had to wrap it up. I've basically spent much of today trying to edit down two hours to get it to, you know, something palatable like 45 minutes, not possible. And then it kind of dawned on me as I was editing, I want you to hear what they have to say. You know, I could, I could edit it for time, but these are men that I served with and they, they, their voice should be heard and everything they've been up to, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, should be heard because it deserves that platform. So while I've already trimmed off a half hour at the end of stuff that was just off the charts, the essence of the show is, is, is really intact. So I know this is long. It's more than usual. You might want to listen to it in a couple of parts, whatever. I was so enamored with the fact that the four of us could have this conversation. And as I said, as I was going along to edit for time, I thought, the heck with it. You know, I don't get a chance to talk to these guys very often. And so I just want to let you know that going in, this is 90 minutes long. Uh, for the Coasties that are listening, it'll go by in a second. But it was this to me, like sitting around at duty night back at Coast Guard Air Station Chicago, circa 1982, 83, 84, somewhere in there. Enjoy the show. And thanks for listening. Glad to have you joining me one more time from all over planet Earth. This technology never ceases to amaze me. Now, in full disclosure, because I'm a effing full disclosure kind of guy, this show is not being taped as it normally is on a Saturday morning. It's being done later on a Friday night. There's a couple reasons for that, but I don't need to tell you because it's my show. Just know that this isn't being done on a Saturday. It's Friday night. Uh, I had some technical difficulties this afternoon, and... uh, When you hear what I have in store for you, you're going to be waiting to sit around and take notes because this is a rare convergence of talent, I'm here to tell you. So last Saturday, and I heard so many of you checking in saying, you know, how did the big reunion go? Because I did a show last Saturday about getting the opportunity to connect with the men and women I served with back when Ronald Reagan, hello Ronnie, was president. That's a long time ago, kids. And I was had so much anticipation most of these people I have not literally seen for 40 years or more. And I didn't know how that was going to go. Not that I thought there'd be any difficulties, but it was like kind of like a little nervous. You know, we've been putting time and energy in to get this thing together. My buddy, Roger Shank, who uh, was a roommate of mine for a while when I was in, uh, we've been kind of working the back scenes to get this thing where we wanted it to be. And all these plans were put in place. Coast Guard Air Station Detroit was going to fly over a helicopter so we could check that out. And there's a little museum in Glenview where the airbase used to be. We could do that. And then, of course, the big hoo-ha would have been Saturday night where uh, things were going to get really interesting. So I was all building up to that, and it was beyond my expectations and beyond words almost. So a couple of days ago, I'm thinking about doing the show for today and recapping it, answering your questions about how it went. And Listen, I appreciate you thanking me for my service, but the guys that I got coming on, they're the ones that really – you know, did the heavy lifting back in the day. But I thought to myself, what about having some of the guys on to talk about how it was from their perspective? This is my show. I'm tired of talking all the time by myself. Let's get them on. So I'm going to go in order. My The first guy I met 
when I came on board at Air Station Chicago, Coast Guard Air Station Chicago, in June of 1980, oh, God, was Artie Snyder. Artie is from Ohio. Uh, he's had an incredible career in the Coast Guard, which we'll get to in just a few minutes. And Artie joins me first. Captain Snyder, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks. Great to be with you tonight, and it was really great uh, seeing you last uh, weekend. What an, what an amazing, emotional uh, roller coaster that was uh, uh, seeing seeing guys I haven't seen for for forty plus years. You know, it's amazing to me. You so, look the same, except for that that pubic hair on your chin there, whatever that was. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. A little older, a little fatter. We all are a little older and fatter and bald. Except the next guy up, Doc. We're going to talk with him in a second. He looks the same to me. He looks basically the same. I don't know what he's doing down there in Key yeah. West, but uh, we're going to find out. So one of the other guys, as soon as uh, a couple of years had gone by, uh, they came on board. People were always coming and going, and uh, Tim Watson came on board. And, you know, I had this tendency to give people nicknames. And if you know about the great blue glass picker, Doc Watson, how could you not call Tim Watson Doc Watson? So, Doc, welcome to the show. Thank you much. Hey, by the way, I do like your intro music. It was my stripper music back in the day. I appreciate that. <laughs> Stripping? Oh, yeah. Yeah, on a pole or oh, just yeah. on stage? Well, I, of course, a pole. I'm not a heathen. <laughs> and shortly after Doc arrived, one of the all-time greats, this guy, I mean, when they, this is the old thing, when they made Jim Wallizer, they broke the mode. Wally, welcome to the show. Hey, Augie. <laughs> hey, Wally. Now, the whole Wally thing, you know where that came from, right? I mean, besides it's your last name, we had to call you something. It comes from that movie 1941. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Wally. I totally. Hey, hey, Augie. And we must have watched that, I don't know, three, four hundred times when we had the duty. I don't know. Yeah, a lot. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I have to, uh, I don't want to trump a captain here, but... Uh, you know, as Art as Art mentioned, la last weekend was uh, it was beyond expectations. Uh, it was very emotional, to be honest with you. Yeah, were you guys and, as nervous uh, as I was to see everybody? Like you felt like you're a, I don't know, like a kid again almost. You know, I was. You well, know, I, I was nervous. I was nervous up to the point when I showed up at uh, at Atlantic Aviation there, Pelwaukee, and I was walking in the parking lot. And I didn't get halfway to the door until Augie was out the door yelling, Hey, uh, Wally! <laughs> and uh, that calmed me down quite a bit. But, yeah, I was really nervous. Uh, like Art said, I mean, it's been 38 years since I've seen any of you. Doc, yeah. how about you? Well, I, yeah, just to add to what, what both Art and Wally were saying, yeah, it was very emotional. Um there's not a, there's not an equivalent in the civilian world to uh, to to doing time with in the military. Mm. Uh, people who've been in the same foxhole will tell you the same thing. Uh, at one point or another, everybody there had put their lives in the hands of everybody else there. Mm. Uh, if you worked on the helos, you flew on the helos, mm -hmm. and if you flew on the helos, then somebody better tighten that nut right. Right. So it goes beyond. It goes beyond anything that I've experienced in the civilian world. Uh, my family became Coast Guard family too. Hmm. My family was taken in by the Coast Guard, and 
everybody in the Coast Guard was family. And it was unique, I think, to Chicago, too, because I was stationed in Savannah, didn't have the same experiences. Really? That was just because of the size of the station, Doc? Well, it was a similar size. Uh, Savannah had three helos and we had two. Uh, so it wasn't dramatically different size, but it was... Um, I think what we did in Chicago was we caught lightning in a bottle. Wow. Uh, it was just the the right well, mix of people. Well, we caught other people. things in bottles, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Just, Here just we are. point that out. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Hey, hey, I hey, think hey, we hey, had the right, wallet. Come on. <laughs> right mix of people who have have fun yeah yeah exactly it was we had it was it's probably the most competent group of people that i've ever uh had the pleasure of being associated with um experts in their field uh when it was time to work it was work and yeah. when it was time to play by god let's go play yeah it was always like one of those we 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 took the work serious but not ourselves and i think yes. that went a long way right. i don't know how many times uh, last weekend, the stories that I heard, and one of the things that was difficult for me was that I didn't get a chance to do this, to sit down and talk with everybody, you know, without it being really loud and everybody throwing stuff around and Wally slapping 800 bucks on the bar and shit like that, which was a fucking fantastic gesture. If you're looking for an apology, you're not getting it. <laughs> I was talking to Brenda Woodfalk today, and she said, boy, you know, Jim Wallizer was just so generous. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, he was really generous because after the 500 ran out, he slapped another three bills down. He did not. I, oh, yeah, he did. He did. You remember that, Wally? I do remember oh, that. Good. good. And I, I really appreciate it, but but I didn't like it on Sunday when I woke up. <laughs> hey, Wally, I, we're getting a little bit off. I don't really don't care. Did you see the picture that Melissa put up of you in sleeping in bed? On oh, Facebook, yes, I did. <laughs> and it put uh, it says classic. goodnight, Wally. Z. Oh God! Hey, Augie, that was not sleep. Okay. Oh sure, okay. Let's just let's just be perfectly <laughs> You're honest in a coma. about that. That was not sleep. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, Artie... she was afraid on the she was afraid on the way back that I was going to throw up in the Uber. Gee, I, did you eat? I didn't even see you eat anything. <laughs> did you eat? Uh, yeah, yeah. Besides ice cubes, okay. Yeah, Artie, did you have the, did you have the same thoughts we all had about going? I mean, you've been in. We're going to get to your stuff in a second here, but you're in longer than all of us combined. What did you feel like coming back after you've achieved so much? Hey, hold on. Well, you know, wait, 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 wait. What Art? Can oh. you just please explain how long you were in? I lost it when you told me. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. Well, well, I. Uh... And uh, for 41 years, I enlisted in 1979. Oh my, my first duty station was Chicago. That's where we all <laughs> served together. Well, no one and I just stayed in. Just and I retired in 2020. 41 That's years. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And, and, I, I could not believe and, that when you told me. Yeah. And Art, I yeah. got to tell you, uh, I may have mentioned it there, but um, a most impressive career. And. Mm. Uh, I was nothing but respect to you. Yeah, nothing but yeah, respect. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, yeah. You know, most most of my time was spent at uh, rotary wing uh, units, either uh, enlisted or as an officer and a pilot. And you know what? There is absolutely no greater job satisfaction in the world 
than going out and saving somebody's life. Now, naturally, we didn't do that. You didn't get that opportunity every day, but uh, boy, you, you saved somebody's life. That puts you on a high for several months. It only takes once. So, Artie, I got to ask yeah, you this. Yeah. I got to ask you this and get back to this thing about how you felt coming in. But uh-huh. did you have, I, to this day, I see you, uh, the kid from Ohio, walking across the hangar deck with a couple of wrenches out of, hanging out of your pocket. Did you have any inkling? That one day you'd be flying, be a pilot, and gone as far as you did. Any idea at all back then, 1980-81? Absolutely not, John. In fact, I I remember you know being there in Chicago and being in the flight mechanic syllabus, learning how to become an air crewman, and thinking, God, it would be great to be a pilot, but I could never do all that. You yeah. know, uh, you know, some things you just think is uh, unachievable, and until you try it, and uh, and I think if you uh, set your mind to something and uh, get your achieving it, you, you'll make it happen. You just got to uh, go through the struggles. Yeah. So and I not I, give up. I turned my mic off for a second because I belch because I'm drinking beer, just so you know. <laughs> nice. I, I could hear Wally's ice cubes tinkling. I don't know what Doc's doing over there, but I can't, like, <laughs> sniffling or something. But yeah. my question Can you hear that? Yeah, man. All right. <laughs> so back to your original question. Yeah, the question, original question, John, Captain I, Snyder. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I don't. I've never been to any reunion until last weekend. Come on. You know, I've never been to a high school reunion or a wow. college reunion or a, a, any anything like that. And shit, let's face it. I skipped most family reunions because yeah. I couldn't get to leave <laughs> when I was active duty. So uh, uh, reunions really wasn't my my uh, forte, and I didn't really expect to be honest with you other than knew i wanted to to uh see and thank some people that uh, made a positive impact on my, on my career and uh uh just about everybody there uh had a positive impact on well, I don't the framework telling me that, for, for my career <laughs> <laughs> it, it was uh, on your fifth wild turkey i think oh okay <laughs> You know, I, I you say that, and of course I go back to the to the Christmas party, which was, <laughs> was might have been before Doc and Wally. I think it was in '81, probably, and we were at the the now long gone uh, field house on the golf course. That's now all million dollar homes over there in Glenview. And um, okay, that was '82. What so were you there? Yeah. Okay, so I have a witness. So here's the deal. <laughs> so I remember volunteering to play Santa Claus. Was that Jerombeck or Allison? It must have been Jerombeck was there by then. Captain Jerombeck? I would think. I think so. Yeah, yeah it's before Corson. Yeah, yeah. So Jerombeck was there, and he's something about getting a day off if I did Santa Claus for the base kids. I need a volunteer. I should, I'll do that. So I got the suit and stuff, and it was really bad suit that they had, but I did, made do. And he said, well, if you're going to do it for the base kids, why don't you, we're having the party night. Why don't you do it tonight? Yes, sir. Sure, whatever you want me to do. So little did I know that it would turn into this, you know, whatever the hell that was. <laughs> Where I was swigging wild turkey, the beard, the Santa Claus beard was literally brown. If anybody would have got within five feet of me with a match, I'd have gone up like a goddamn firecracker. But bad were, Santa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really bad Santa. And people were taking turns sitting on my lap saying the weirdest shit to me that they wanted for Christmas. So at one point, Artie Snyder's... <laughs> My lap, and he, I, I, Artie. I wish I could remember what the hell you were asking for, some sort of gibberish, you know. And 
when I said I, I, you're not getting anything for Christmas, do you remember you took this this candy cane stick? It was like a like a piece of lead pipe, and you were trying to drill it into my forehead. And I'm thinking, Santa Santa doesn't need this. And I think there, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely different. And then I do recall afterwards, I had this Jeep at the time, and I parked it where it shouldn't have, and I think I tore up the seventh hole or something like that, heading back to the to the hangar, but. That wasn't the only damage to the seventh hole. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but Doc, this was—you—you you were there. You know this is the kind of shit that happened that night. Oh yeah, yeah. And you actually um, read a poem. Oh yeah. About a wood elf. Yes. Uh, yeah. A long time. And ago, uh, yeah. and I I think I might still have a copy of that in some some uh, I used scrapbook. to know it. And you know, interesting you say that because Captain Drombeck, who I'm still in touch with, so. A couple, three years ago, whatever it's been, for the Coast Guard 230th, I did a two-part podcast, and I found Captain Drombeck, and he came out and talked, and he brought that poem up. And I'm like, okay. that's 40-plus years ago. Yeah, that poem was great about the wood guy. Okay, great. Yeah, made an impact. Amazing. Just like that candy cane in your forehead. To this day, i got a dent in my forehead. Every Christmas, it just smells a little different. <laughs> You know, it's funny, Artie, what you said about reunions, because for me, I've been to, I went to my grammar school reunion 50 years this past summer. I've been to numerous, two or three major high school reunions. I've seen the college guys I played football with, uh, the high school people I graduated with. We do something every year. So this is pretty normal. But I was not, I was more nervous doing this than anything else because is what Doc said. This is a different deal. This is, you volunteered to go do this. And the people there, this is a no-bullshit thing. This isn't just a beer bash, you know, after a football game. This is life-and-death stuff. And I, I just always felt like of all the people I got a chance to work with at all the different parts of my life and career, this group of people for those four years I was there were the, the most prepared, the most professional, not all the time, but for the most part, most professional. And it's what you said, Doc. You know, when the bell went off, everybody knew what they were supposed to do. Well, you know, you know, Augie, you know, when you join an organization that the motto is you have to go, but you don't have to come back, uh, you know, it, it kind of puts things in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And we did. Well, we worked people really hard. Really do that. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you know, our, our art staying in as long as we did, uh, I, I have to tell you, I'm my respect for him is is amazing and he's he's had to have seen the differences between back when we were cowboys back in the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. to where it where it evolved into uh there's got to be some serious differences in and how how it how it was and the kinds of people that came in and i, I don't know maybe there was differences maybe there weren't um, oh, you but, know there was hey, uh, a million differences, and uh, uh, but the one thing that stayed the same throughout the forty-one years was the Coast Guard treats people as family. That's the one, one and only thing that stayed the same in the forty-one years was uh, is how we relate to each other at work like we're our own blood relatives right alongside us. And, uh, right. and it's, that's, a, that's a testament to an organization that, that grew that culture 
and hung on to it throughout uh, the four decades that I was associated with it, at least. And it's been much longer than right. that. Hey, you know, our, but, one of the things that I really appreciated, uh, when, the, uh, when the blades start turning, we lift off, rank kind of was left back at the base. And you had three professionals in there out doing the mission with a pilot and a co-pilot and a, and a, and a lift operator, a flight mechanic, before, before the rescue swimmers and everything. Um, I appreciated that because it, it, rank didn't get in the way of doing the job. And so at the end of the day, yeah. I think that the relationships that officers enlisted had um, was, is dramatically different in the Coast Guard, or at least it was, than say in the Navy or the Marines, certainly. Well, I, I, that's that's for sure, and it's even different within the Coast Guard, the aviation community itself, and I think it's because of the life or death situation that you're in, and you know when you when you're up in the air, you three better work as a team, or the mission's not going to be successful, and and somebody's not going to come home. So, I, I think that's what uh, allowed us to take the rank off and and uh, just concentrate on the mission and uh, and again treat each other as, as uh, brothers and sisters in there and uh, and get the mission done uh, safely it's it was it was a great culture to be a part of and uh, and I'm glad I stayed in the whole 41 years although I, I will admit I had a lot more fun in the earlier years than the later <laughs> years you know when I went through boot camp uh the company commander said at one point that 10% of the Coast Guard changes every year. He says, if you stay in 10 years, you'll be in a different guard than when you started. And I don't know whether it was 10%, but I bet you 5%. You know, back yeah. to the issue of rank, I, I used to leave the rank a lot further outside of the rotors turning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we know that <laughs> oh boy yeah. yeah i don't know how many people have said you were ranked then but uh yeah. i said no not wally no no hey Nothing hey right art did, <laughs> I, hey yeah. art I, I, did, did you did you really have did, did you have ever have uh an ambition to fly I thought about it when I was uh, a crewman and uh, thought how great it would be to, to be able to do that, you know, but I didn't have a college education and you needed to have a bachelor's degree and, you know, just uh, at that point in time in my life, it seemed unachievable with, with everything else going on, but uh, I chipped away at it. It took me, took me uh, 12 years before I made it to flight school, but wow, but I made it there. Wow. It's but it's it's something you wanted to do. You really wanted to fly. See, I I uh, and the reason I'm asking is uh, mm -hmm. I my heart, my passion, and where I'm at, where I have always lived, growing up uh, as a farmer, and, and I'm a I've been a maintainer. I just never mm -hmm. had a desire to fly. Did uh, you say I've a always been a maintainer. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You kind of glossed over. You were a farmer. Yeah, I grew up in central Pennsylvania in Happy Valley. Happy Valley. Born the farmer town. Uh-huh. Everybody was. 
<laughs> Everybody was a farmer back then. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I've always been a maintainer, a fixer, and uh, you didn't enjoy solver. being a flight mechanic. Oh, I loved it. Uh, I, I did. It, although at that point in time, adrenaline takes over your personality. Yeah. Uh, and and you're just kind of you're you're doing the job. Uh, it's, it's, I guess it's not something you strive to be. It's just what you are, and you just go do it. And you know, yeah. then we were all going to live forever. <laughs> you mean we're not anymore? What, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, Wally, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring that up at this point. Uh, <laughs> Augie, I promise I wouldn't mention that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. You, you almost made it, Doc. I'm really proud of you, though. <laughs> you know, I went in the Coast Guard because of the Iran hostage thing in 1979. So we watched this route. So I watched this unfold. Uh, I'd, I'd been in uh, college. For, I got a college scholarship to play football. Uh, when I was in the second year there, first of all, my grade average is like the animal house, 0, 0.0. So, you know, I did drink beer and chase girls the first. Well, you're playing football. What do you want me to do? So there was all that. And I, uh, the whole Iran hostage thing took place. And I had this premonition, I'm going to go and save them because I'm going to go join the Marines tomorrow. And I wasn't doing anything. You know, I'd gotten hurt in, in uh off off campus and I couldn't be at school anymore it was a big long story but um, I got a call one night I was working construction I thought I'm gonna go out there tomorrow to the Marines I'm gonna I'm gonna join the Marine Corps I get a call uh, on, a, on a late night midnight from a guy that I was in in college with we called him the senator for reasons that escaped me and he worked at the pool he was a lifeguard little guy and he calls up and he's totally blasted he's like hey hey Augie I'm calling from Kodiak Alaska I said, what? What? He says, yeah, I'm up here hunting and fishing and getting shit-faced and having a great time, and they pay me to do it. I said, were you like a guide or something? He said, no, I'm in the Coast Guard. And I said, that's for me. So the next morning, <laughs> the next morning I actually went down. I still had the Marine Corps thing in my mind. And as fate would have it, I walk in, and back then, I don't know how it is now, but all the all the services were in one building, Marine, Navy, yeah. Air Force, the whole deal. Everybody's door was out to lunch and closed except the guy from the Coast Guard. So I'm sitting in the hallway, and I'm ready to go, and he says, what are you doing out there? And I said, I'm waiting for the Marines. He goes, no, you're not coming here. So I went in and said, sure, this is great. Can I go to Kodiak and fish and hunt and get paid like my drunk friend? And he says, oh, yeah, sign right here. So um, I signed up. <laughs> And for some odd reason, uh, I believe back then, everybody east of the Mississippi went to Cape May and west was to Alameda for boot camp. Yeah, and I think that's correct. Yeah, well, for some, he sweetened the deal. He goes, we're going to send you to California, boy. And they delayed me like six times. I had six going away parties with Wild Turkey every Saturday <laughs> for six weeks. And when I got to Alameda, of course, that changed a little bit. But I was wondering, that's my story. How did you guys get in? Artie? Uh, I was high school class. My lab part, him, hey, John, what are you going to do after after high school? I'm like, I really want to go to college, but shit, I can't afford that. And uh, he says, well, I'm going into the Coast Guard. And I'm like, well, I remember seeing Coast Guard when I went to vacation in Ocean City, Maryland, and all they were doing was checking people's life jackets. He's like, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
I said, oh, you got a point there. Bikinis and life. Nice. Gets and you get paid to do it. Okay. Yep. So I went to the recruiter with him and took the ASVAB test. And and he says, hey, you can do anything you want to do. And I says, I want to repair electronics. And he said, okay, we'll get you guaranteed ET. You'll get it. Uh, you'll go to electronics technician school right after boot camp. So... I was all set. John and I were going in under the buddy program, and oh, yeah. we went off to boot camp right after graduation, and as we're running around in formation, Cape May, I I see a Coast Guard H-52 helicopter fly over overhead. I'm like, the Coast Guard has helicopters? My <laughs> recruiter never told me anything about this. So they had this career day, and I, I said, hey, what's this whole... Coast Guard uh, helicopter thing. They're like, yeah, we got an aviation. I says, well, I don't want to be an ET. I want to, I, I want to fix the electronics on helicopters. They said, well, you came in on a guaranteed school. Mm. Uh, uh, you're, we're, we're not going to guarantee you an aviation school because there's like a two-year wait yeah. for people to get on there. I says, I don't care. I, I I'll wait two years. I, I want to. I want to be in a helicopter. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. The guy must have liked me. He pulled some strings, and I went straight to A school after after boot camp. And then Chicago right after that. That's why I showed up as an airman AT. Yeah. Docs? Hey, hey R, what? what no, go what, ahead. Uh, what, was your, what was your company number in Cape May? Oh, boy. You were 79, right? Yeah, Uniform 104. Hey, I was ah. Alpha 104. Oh, no way. Yeah. Wow. I was Alpha 104. Absolutely. Wow. Leading the pack. How about <laughs> I, it? I have no doubt, Wally. Yeah, I can see Wally out front with the guide on. Let's go to Chow. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole show on boot camp. That's for sure. Right. Doc, Doc how did you oh, get in? Oh, God. You know, like it was, uh, I went through boot camp with enough people that said the next time I run into my recruiter, I hope it's with a tank. Uh, <laughs> I. My recruiter was a uh, aviation chief, and uh, I grew up in Traverse City, Michigan. Yeah. And we had a Coast Guard air station there, but I was I was going to join the Navy because jets, you know. Oh yeah. And uh, it took one open uh, open house with various aircraft out there that I went out to the uh, air station to see, and that was it. And then I looked in the parking lot, and they had relatively new cars there. So I'm thinking, well, let's see, they get paid okay, and they seem to have a cool job. So I went down and signed up, and uh, next thing you know, I'm in Cape May, uh, Uniform 101 for the record, guys. Um, That would have been August of 78. Wow. And uh, I was guaranteed AM school, uh, aviation metalsmith, uh, working airframe and hydraulics. And then, uh, but I I had to wait Lord, about six months, and so my first station was uh, Group Sault Ste. Marie, and it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> Got up there in August, and uh, or pardon me, in October of '78. And yeah, it was damn, it was cold. But anyway, <laughs> as soon as they found out that I was going aviation school, uh, I got shuffled off to a experimental mini Loran station. Oh, a Loran that they station. had set up. And well, this was a mini setup. We controlled all of the all the senders and receiver. Uh-huh. Uh, it was along the St. Mary's River, and they were they were testing to see if it could work in a small scale like that for navigation for the large 
yeah, uh, yeah. or carriers going through. But anyway, next thing you know, I'm off to A school, living in the donut, and uh, then I had orders to Savannah, and I put in for Traverse City, of course, but uh, ended up in Savannah, Georgia, where I met and married a girl from Kalamazoo, Michigan, oh, and uh, yeah. dragged her kicking and screaming back up north to Chicago. Yep. So uh, that's how we ended up in Chicago in uh, in the summer of '82, August. The memorable. I year. want to know how Augie liked uh, the hunting and fishing up in Kodiak. <laughs> well, let's say that never often <laughs> happened. So we go all the way through boot camp, and I can't remember, you know, how many guys. I was in Oscar company. You guys have Oscar in Cape May? Oh, rifle, yeah. t- rifle team and all that. Oh yeah. You didn't have. That? Yeah, we did. The yeah. guys with the little, yeah. with the uh, little, what is it? You, know, you spin the ri- M1 uh, rifles and all that, go on parades and funerals yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, so so I was in yeah. the Oscar. I don't know how they put me in or why. I have no idea. But Oscar was supposed to be, you know, the fastest, the best, and the strongest, and all that stuff. We had to be up faster and earlier than anybody else. Drop your cocks well, and grab your socks. It's not who you blow her. No, that's it. <laughs> and it's not who you know or who you blow. It's how you blow who you that's know. That's exactly right. And people listening to the show appreciate the clarity, Doc. That's what I'm sure of that. And, uh, and so that when we get to the end, uh, my physical points were off the charts. My other stuff, the seamanship and some of these other things were, yeah, they were all right. But it wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go. And I was tied with some other guy. I don't remember where he was from to get your pick of any duty station. They had a, a whole list of where you wanted to go. And I had a girl back in Chicago. And Coast Guard Air Station Chicago was at the top of the list with an opening. And I thought, if I go to Kodiak, she's going to denut me, and I can't have that. So I picked, and it pissed this guy off because I think he was from Chicago or Winnetka or something like that. And that's how I ended up there. But I never once went to Kodiak. <laughs> so, and, and I never heard of this from this guy again. I've looked for him for years to try and find the guy who basically, to some degree, was like a prophecy to get me in into the Coast Guard. Wally, how did it happen for you? Well, you know, I, uh, I think how it happened for me is... Uh, the Amish moved into Central PA, bought all the farms. Everybody sold their farms. I thought I was going to be a farmer until I was, you know, about 13 years old. I didn't know what I was going to do. But when I graduated from high school, a friend of mine was going to join the Air Force. And I said, oh, I'll ride along with you. And we went down to the government building where all of the recruiters were. And as you said earlier, the only one there was the Coast Guard guy. And we were walking out of the building, and he goes, hey, boys, what are you doing? Come on in here. And so we went in, sat down, and he made it sound like we were going to go to summer camp. Right. And uh, took the ab fabs and all that stuff. And, you know, being a farmer and and being able to fix everything, he calls me up like three days later. He goes, man, you smoked that mechanical aptitude. Uh, he, was a, he, he was a helicopter guy. And yeah. he goes, you want to get... I said, well, I like helicopters. I grew up near Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, where the home of Piper Aircraft was. So, uh, you know, I see the planes flying around all the time. A lot of my friends' parents worked at Piper. I said, yeah, I kind of like airplanes. And so I got a guaranteed A school uh, out of boot camp and uh, ended up uh, going to A school, living in the donut, and graduated did my first tour in Clearwater on H3s. Threw you right into it. Threw me right into it, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a good start though. It really was. Yeah. Hey, Wally, be honest. 
You left Pennsylvania to join the Coast Guard because it was tough to find a date after the Amish moved in. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Amish girls. <laughs> don't, don't That's a smart move, Wally. <laughs> I don't know why every time I talk to Doc, he tries to give me up my, get, have me give up my secrets. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> well, at least he keeps trying. He's, yeah, he's he's steadfast, if nothing else. I may be the only one here that's ever looked up one of their skirts. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and survived. Yeah. <laughs> Holy and God. wanted to survive. You know, we were going in a good direction, and now we're not, so that's cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, Listen, we are. Yeah, it's all good. You know, one of the things that always kind of bugged me is that, you know, you... you even to this day, I'm, I'm not far from a, a cemetery that has a military wing in it, and there's no Coast Guard flag flying. And I've had oh, people wow. say, are you guys like part of the military? Or, you know, is, are you really veterans? And like, do you have a history effing book or not? And you might want to read about the history of the, of the service. It's, you know, when it started. And we've lost men and women in every major conflict and, and did all this stuff with World War II and everything. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Do you guys ever run into that too where you felt like, you know, you, not the had to explain yourself, but you thought you might want to. I think the big reason for that is all the movies about us suck. Well, there's that. There's that. Yeah, it is a little bit uh, disappointing uh, that the role of the Coast Guard, uh, who is on mission every day, you know, DOD, they're on mission when they get called up to the mission the rest of the time they're training and preparing for the mission the coast guard is preparing for the mission and doing the mission all day every day 365 days a year 24 hours a day and uh and that's uh not widely known uh by the average american citizen who the coast guard is and and what they do Six thousand rescues after katrina yeah I would totally agree with that. Which part, Wally? All of it? Yeah, no, um, I, I've always thought that, that, uh, you know, most of the, uh, and I have no, nothing but respect for all the uh, armed forces. Yeah, for sure. But uh, they do, they, they train for what will happen or could happen uh, and are prepared and Every single day uh, throughout my career, and I'm sure everybody's career, every single day we were actually doing it and training for it, and but doing it at the same time. So every day we went to work and did our jobs and not just trained for when, when our job may be needed. And so, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, and we actually, have a, uh... you know... Go, go ahead, Doc. Oh, I was going to say that we have Sector Key West here. Uh, and for people who aren't familiar, Sector is, uh, well, our, you're in command of a Sector. Bourbon. Yeah, Sector Humble Bay. Describe to everybody listening what a Sector is. Well, a Sector is a, uh, is assigned a geographic area, say Sector Key West there. They take the southern southern portion of uh, of uh, Florida down down into the Bahamas, and they uh, execute or oversee 
all the uh, Coast Guard operations that uh, uh, take place in that geographic area, whether it's search and rescue or uh, uh, escorting high-capacity uh, passenger vessels like ships for uh, port security or pollution investigation and uh, cl cleanups, uh, doing drug uh, interdiction on the high seas, marine inspections, uh, all, all, the, all the missions that the uh, Coast Guard has managed to do, and there's 11 of them that Congress has mandated the uh, Coast Guard to do. So the Coast Guard has ordered uh, and, uh, districts, and each district is then further broken down into sectors, and the sectors are assigned a geographic area to do the, the uh, 11 Coast Guard missions in that geographic area. So that's a pretty uh, uh, efficient way to do business, and uh, everybody in the Coast Guard has the uh, authority to to get the mission done, which mm -hmm. uh, uh, is kind of unique. When we were all together in the eighties, well, I think technology the, might be. Yeah, when we were all together in the eighties, I think that the the enlist the enrollment, the, the, the size of the Coast Guard was like forty five thousand. I mean, it was not many. There's a lot of a lot of ground to cover with very few people. Yeah. I don't know if that's still the case. You know, Art. You know, I yeah, I think it's, that uh, we had, it was less than that. It was 32. Wow. I was told in boot camp. Wow. And they said the New York Police Department. Yeah, was it was 60, about the 000. size when we were serving in Chicago. It was about the size of the New York City Police Department. Unbelievable. <laughs> so and yeah, and, and today what about, it's just what about Coast Guard? What about the aviation? Uh, side of even what is that like 1200 people something like that? yeah that even was amazing yeah. yeah they told us in boot camp that everybody in the coast guard represented 50 people that tried to get in and then in aviation well you take that fairly elite group and you pare it down even more yeah uh the um happy to report though of all the i meet a lot of young men and women in the coast guard today because of the sector here in key west and i'd love to say that um, we were all unique in our dedication and everything else, but I'm happy to report that that's actually not true. Uh, I think it takes a certain oh. personality to join the Coast Guard, uh, especially with the mission in mind. And you got to be just a little bit crazy, too. Yeah. And I'm glad to report that a level of crazy in the Coast Guard still exists. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I don't. Well, I don't it's because it's like it did when we guys were like Wally made a great foundation, Coast Guard. Yeah, right. Somebody <laughs> yeah, built off yeah. Chief Warrant Officer Wallizer. Hey, Wally, yeah. and, and, just by, and just by the way, Wally, I want to make sure the people. I did hear your comment about being in the bourbon sector. It did not go unnoticed. <laughs> so I did pick up on that. And so I just wanted to, you know, wanted a little nod in your direction, my friend. Well, thank you, Augie. You're most welcome, sir. So let me ask you guys this. <laughs> What was it like last week when they flew that new helo over? The thing had only been off the line for three weeks. All of you guys with all the time in the air and working on helos. I mean, that's a sleek-looking thing compared to these giant flying lifeboats that were back at Coast Guard Air Station in Chicago in the day. What was it like for you guys to be around all that again? I thought it was right, kind of cute. Can I go first? Helicopters. Yeah, okay. <laughs> can no, I, can I go first? Yeah, Wally needs to go first, Doc. I'm sorry. Go well, ahead, Wally. Uh, okay, I'll go, be quite ahead. honest with you. Uh, my first, my first uh, air station was Clearwater. I flew H3s. 
And uh, then I came to Chicago and did the H-52s. And to be quite honest with you, when they introduced the uh, aerospatial dolphins to the fleet, um, there's something about when you're flying 99% of your time over water, to be in a flying boat is mm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, I was a, a, a champion of us using amphibious aircraft at that time. <laughs> We flew over water. Very good point. Uh, uh, the 65s can the, land on water. One time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but to be quite honest with you, when the, when the Dolphin came out uh, at the time, only Alpat and Chicago were the only two places <laughs> left flying H-52s. And I thought I was going to get orders to... Kodiak to, to be at fly Alpat. And I was okay with that. And uh, when my orders came out the summer of 87, uh, I got orders to Miami. And <laughs> if that I, I did I had no desire to get in those little plastic things. I really didn't. Mm. And uh, so when I got to Miami, um, I kind of pulled a switch and bait on the master chief in Miami, Jim Waltz, uh, great man, really good man. And, you know, master chiefs, you, they don't ever like to be told what to do ever by anybody. And that includes you, Captain Hart. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Yeah. As, That's as, Mr. As Snyder I'm sure to you. <laughs> as I'm sure you knew. Uh, but I walked in the Jim Waltz's office, Master Chief Waltz, and I said, hey, Master Chief, I can't wait to go over to the helicopter shop and jump in and start helping. And he looked at me and said, go over and see Chief Hart in the Falcon shop. Uh. (laughs) And I said, thank you, sir. And I walked out the door and went over, and that's when I got into the uh, fixed wing program with the Coast Guard. So you played him Uh, like a fiddle. uh, Yeah, I did. Uh, And so essentially, what Wally, what you're saying is that every aircraft that you laid hands on, um, the Coast Guard got rid of. <laughs> That's a, an astute that, observation. You know, Doc always Doc. cuts right through to the, yeah, right. Yeah, he, he does. He's but... got that ability to cut right into it. Yeah, well, hey, I was excited to see the uh, Echo model Dolphin. Uh, I was able to fly in the Alpha, Bravo, uh, Charlie, and Delta models, but uh, I retired as they were bringing on the Echo model, and I never even got a chance to see one. So, uh, Augie, uh, you making sure one came over and be a part of our reunion uh, was a great opportunity because I enjoyed seeing... uh, how they rewired the uh, the airframe and uh, put a glass cockpit in it. It was looked pretty nice. You know, made me uh, want to fly again. You know, it was interesting. Amazing technology. Commander Polyak, who is on a pig. Who <laughs> 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 said that? Oh, Wally. Hey, Wally. Um, hey, Wally. <laughs> <laughs> so, Commander Polyak, who is the the the. CEO of Air Station Detroit, he saw a posting when I put up looking for guys that had served on the Airedale's Treehouse page on Facebook, 
this is probably six months ago almost now, I would guess. And he sent me a note, and it was interesting because he sent this note and said, I'd like to talk to you about the reunion. And I looked at his name, and it didn't ring a bell. And then I looked at his picture. I thought, well, he's somebody's son we must have been there with because this guy, I got shoes older than this guy. This can't be anybody we were with. <laughs> and it turned out he was obviously the CO, and it was his idea. He said, we'd love to come over and show you what, what's going now in the 21st Century Coast Guard and all that kind of stuff. And would you be interested? I thought, oh, my God. I mean, just a th- and he, he says, well, you know, it's the taxpayers' dollars at work. We're kind of saluting you guys. It's 40 years later, but okay, fine. And we'll just have to figure out where to, to land the thing. And interestingly enough, uh, I don't think he realized NAS Glenview wasn't there anymore because he said, uh, it looks like where you guys used to be is now a golf course. I said, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not there anymore. So the long and short of it was it was all his idea. <laughs> I know. What a Coast Guard historian he is. Yeah, well. And uh, <laughs> you know what? If he's listening, that's not and by the commander. way. It's, it's wall clockkeeper too. Yeah, we clock don't. Yeah, as well. Right. I kind of busted him on that. He took it good natured, but uh, somebody. I think Wally. I think you said on the way in the door. I told you they came early, and I recall you saying something like, "We were never late going east." No, never, <laughs> no, ever, never late going east. But that was all well, his idea, had, Artie. The presentation right. that he put together, I thought, uh, was. Very good. Uh, no, it was fantastic. Everything from what the Coast Guard's flying now, what they're expecting to fly, uh, what does the crew retention look like, uh, what does it look like in the future, uh, what about recruiting, etc. Everything he put together was, you sit there and you're going, wow. Okay. Yeah. And the technology in that helicopter is really something, uh, but it's... Wally said it best. One, one, it doesn't land on the water, and two, it's damn small. That's what I noticed. You know, I thought because all those guys were slim and trim, like we used to be 150 years ago, but still, it's small. <laughs> it, it, I expected the pilots to jump out, and have hairy feet like hobbits. <laughs> Doc, only you could put it that way, and I just had a visual. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, so we did all that. That was great. You know, did any of you guys go to the museum afterwards, the NAS, NAS Glenview Museum, that little thing they had there? I think, I, of course. I, I, did. I, I, uh, I did not go over. Yeah. Okay. So what did you guys think, Doc, Art? Well, when you said it was small, that was an understatement. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is small. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, they had a big uh, poster picture of uh, then and now uh, aerial view of uh, the Glenview Naval Air Station and now the golf course uh, had a lot of uh, of aircraft parts and helicopter parts and and uh, uh, on display and uh, uniform items. It was uh, pretty nice. I, I forget the lady's name that was there. Do you remember, Doc? The uh, oh, the lady. I think a Nancy. Nancy or yeah. Deborah. She 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 was she was very, she was very nice and polite and yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised. You know, I it was but it was uh, sweet for good. me. Yeah. You enjoyed it, Doc? It's, it's I did, but again, I said it was bittersweet. The seeing seeing the 59 yeah. uh, in the picture that that you and Roger have put together over the uh, over the course of the last couple of years was one thing. Seeing it in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a crime what's happening to that airframe. Yeah, uh, it really is. Considering the condition it was in, yes, and where it currently sits now, 
how could somebody let something like that decay like that? Yeah, you know, I, I worked diligently to, to uh, restrain my vocabulary when it comes to all that. I, I, all that started with Mike Phillips at least five years ago. He put that first picture up. I don't know where Mike got it of the, of the 1459 sitting in this parking lot. And it wasn't tarped or anything. It was just out there decaying. And the blades are off to one side, and the engine's laying over here, and you know the pontoons are laying over here. And so, after a while, I took a ride up there, and I was shocked at the condition it was in. Because, like you guys, I remember it hanging pristine on the ceiling of the Museum of Science and Industry when it was decommissioned, like in '95, somewhere in there. And yeah. it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and so the, the the backstory was for anybody listening is that there was this museum was proposed to commemorate. NAS Glenview was supposed to be on the base property where all these million dollar homes are and uh, the guy somehow talked museum to giving him the helo I think it wouldn't you build the museum first then get, <laughs> that's, I'm just I'm just spitballing here fellas and uh, yeah. somehow he gave they gave it to him and it's and it's been sitting in the same spot for the last eight or nine years the museum that never happened on the NAS Glenview base I have reached out numerous times to make suggestions to do something because you know it's like like you said this is doesn't sit well with me and uh everything's kind of just you know been rebuffed we talked about going over to grand haven which is coast guard city and they were all for it we'll take it you guys can bring it here you can work on it whenever you want we'll make it a project for the community didn't want to do that uh volo auto museum which is about 45 minutes north of chicago has a military wing there's he some of the hueys some of the hueys that were behind us from the army they're up there yeah I made the suggestion, no, I don't want to do that. So, you know, and then on the other hand, he'll say, well, it's really your guy's helo. Well, apparently it isn't. So I kind of run into the end of it with this guy. You know, I wish him the best with it, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Uh, and that's a sad state is where it's at now. You know, for anybody listening, imagine taking a, a, a pristine 1964 split window sh- uh, Corvette, and it's in absolutely beautiful condition sitting in a museum and then suddenly finding it in a parking lot neglected uh, with instruments missing uh, the tires taken off uh, for no apparent reason yeah and even when we Roger and I and Jimmy Smith who was there 80 81 um, are do you remember Jim right oh yeah yeah because he was there at the reunion and Jim was there Jim and I and Art and um Roger went out and put, you know, we went to Menards and bought tarps. It was just laying up squirrels and all the instruments were gone. The seats are eaten up. And so we did the best, best we could with that. And we kind of got on him and said, look, you know, we at least shrink wrap this thing. Do something to protect it a little bit. So they put some money up. And a lot of the guys, I don't know if any of you guys did, we all pitched in money and helped them out. And they shrink wrapped it. But now what? Right? So right. And his, in his thing, he's like, he's looking for this hangar somewhere that somehow miraculously is going to take place and they could put it in there and redo it. I'm like, yeah, but then what are you going to do with it? So. Or you can make a DJ booth out of it. Yeah, there's that. Cut it in half and make a bar. That's not original, though. We'd have to do something original. Well, that's true. Marco knows what to do with us. (laughs) I can't believe he showed up, Augie. I'm telling you, man. You know, so Gary Butler, Gary Butler, who I've stayed in touch with a little bit over the years, he calls me about two months ago and said, you're not going to believe this, but I had Marco on the phone from some other reunion they do in the South, maybe in Mobile, I'm not sure. And yeah, they do the old-timers yeah, in Mobile. Yeah, yeah, so they did that yeah. Mobile thing, and he got Marco on the phone, and he sends me his phone number, and I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to call him, because I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. And for people who don't know, the, the insiders that are listening to this, 
the Shrek thing is very, very uh, accurate. I, I can't say it anymore. And his knuckles don't drag as much as they used to, but they're pretty close. And he would love us saying this about him, too, by the way. And, um, right, right. And so I, 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 I called and I left a voicemail. And I thought, God, you know, maybe he won't call back. And sure enough, 10 minutes. And the phone Bob! Rings. Oh, yeah. Bob! <laughs> Bob, you owe me five bucks from 1984. Remember that time on Friday? That I'm like, wait, what? And so he kind of went through his whole Bob, Marco, Jam, and Hyde thing. And um, <laughs> now, what are you doing? I told him what was going on. And uh, maybe I'll come and see you later. Bye. And then he sends me a picture. He lives somewhere in the mountains north of Boise of this half track he drives with a 50 caliber mounted on the back. And he goes yeah, out and shoots, from Gary. right? He Gary shoots antelope or something for fun. I don't know. But uh, that was the last I heard of him. Then three weeks later, he says, so when is this? And I'd send him the information again. No answer. And then he sent in one more thing about a week before the event and said, do I need dinner reservations? I said, no, for better or for worse, we're all in one room. So no. And then that was the end of it. And when I walked in, everybody's like, you think Marco's, it's 50-50 coin toss. Sure enough, there he was in the parking lot, walking around by the dumpster, looking for a little <laughs> meal before he went to the bar. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, and I'm sure he found one. has six sightings of Bigfoot. Exactly, <laughs> right? You know, you know, the thing about Mark Hyde is we all have four years of, of uh, stories with that man. He was in for 31 years. Right. He was at, what, seven different locations, eight different locations. Can you imagine the stories that they have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you know what makes it different? That we don't Wally? know. You know, you know who his uncle was? Oh, yeah, Henry Hyde. Is that right? The yeah. Congress? Senator. Oh, Senator. Senator Henry Hyde. No yeah, kidding. Maybe yeah, yeah Henry, Henry Hyde was oh. his uncle, yeah. I, never so I don't know that. if he was... Oh, yeah. And, and the thing is, is in, in the beginning, I, I didn't know if he was in the Coast Guard as a hobby. Uh, <laughs> as a hobby. Or if he was in Work because release. his family, yeah. his family forced <laughs> him to go into something. But, I think the uh, judge court ordered. Yeah, court order. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I'll tell you what. I mean, all of everyone, all of us to a, to a person ha, had our, our thing. And he was such a good guy, man. Yeah, absolutely. He, oh, yeah. he is such a good. He is such a good guy. I was just going to say, you know, there's two things about Marco that everybody could agree with, and, and one is uh, he had a heart of gold. And the second is that while he told these wild ass wild stories, ass stories nine out of ten times turned out to be true. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Right. You can never you can never prove that man wrong. He always had a VHF or a magazine or something. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I, I said to somebody at the reunion, I said, I figure eighty percent of his stories are bullshit. It's the twenty percent that aren't that scare the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, fellas, as we're getting ready to wrap this up, I just any final thoughts on, you know, uh the weekend and but I want to ask before I do that. You're, everywhere you've gone since now, Artie, you had this 41-year career. You're retired. Doc, you're doing incredible things in Key West. I want to know what that's all about. And then we'll get to Wally, what he's up to. Hey, Wally, uh, pour me one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just did. Boy, oh, boy. Two what, fingers. What, yeah, two fingers. What brand you got there, Wally? 
Uh, Woodford Reserve. Oh, good call. Good call. Yes. All right, let's let's start this I'll over. I'll be right again. over. <laughs> so, Doc, you, how long were you in, and, and what have you been doing since? I see. I, got, I left in three minutes duty, or less. Uh, no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no problem. Uh, yeah, active duty. I left. In Probably all take. Stayed in the reserve till yeah. 2004. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, I sold computers and did networking. Uh, I did a little stint as an operations manager for a small press operation, and then uh, senior purchasing manager for a distribution company. Went to uh, Key West uh, because I was a vice president of a small uh, industry organization. We held our winter board meetings there in Key West. Guaranteed no snow. Jealous. And uh, yeah, <laughs> well, the first time Janie and I flew to Miami and we drove down, had a very nice time. Second time down, uh, Janie had to work, so I went down by myself. And uh, if you are ever, ever, ever in a uh, in a, a cocktail party with people in logistics, walk away from them. They will start talking about uh, logistics, and you just don't want to get involved with that. It's mm -hmm. just nonsense. And uh, I was I was bitching about having to pay for trucks coming into South Florida and having to deadhead back because everything that comes into the uh, ports, Port Everglades, Miami, etc., is sent out intermodal or by rail to the rest of the country. Um, so trucks don't typically ship out unless it's harvest season. And then you can get trucks filled all day long. But if you're delivering something to South Florida by truck, you're gonna have to pay for that truck to come back out empty. So it's gotta be worse in Key West. Um, they don't even have a harvest season here. Hell, the only thing that they produce is happy semi-hungover tourists. <laughs> and then it kind of dawned on me Yellow. if you get a percentage of the of the sole product of the location and get some type of percentage of moving it, then you're in great shape. So I went home with an idea and I asked Janie, what, what do you think about keeping the dogs, selling the house and everything and moving to Key West and starting her own business? Mm -hmm. and, and she looked at me and said, who are you and what have you done with my husband? Yeah. <laughs> well, the business didn't survive, but we did. And we've been here 18, 20 years. Uh, Love it, and uh, you know the weather's always perfect. Yeah. Except for hurricanes. Yeah, that would that would tend to be a downer, I would think, when that takes place. Yeah, it's, uh, it blows. <laughs> nice. Okay, we'll give you that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> Wally. What, wait, before I get to Wally, wait a minute, Wally. Hold on a second. Just park your ass for a second, Doc. When we were at the reunion, you were trying to tell me about this thing you're working on. And we talked about it a little bit earlier this afternoon, this fresh water thing. I think it's really, really, really important people hear this. Well, um, my company is Historic Tours of America. And we're in seven different cities. Uh, started here in Key West. And here in Key West, we uh, run trolleys. We have the Conk Tour train. Uh, run several museums, including the aquarium. And each of the attractions is... Is Captain Tony's one of your attractions? Pardon me? Is Captain Tony's on your attractions list? No, it's an after attraction. Okay. Just jealous. <laughs> jealous. Anyway, Doc, go ahead. I'm going to shut his mic off. Knock it off. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right. All right, Doc. Well, our attractions are about history, about education, um, in a very fun way. And... Uh, the aquarium is uh, very small. It was built in 1935 
uh, it opened in 1935. It was an open-air aquarium. It was the first tourist attraction in southern Florida. Um, it was built by the WPA. And uh, during World War II, the Navy had it, and they used it for a, a shooting range. Um, it's been through all sorts of things. Well, today it has a roof on it, air conditioning, and it's back to being an aquarium. But uh, off to the side, as part of the education, um, we wanted to let people know how precious water is, fresh water especially. Um, in the earth itself, of course, is 77, 78% water, but only 3% of that is fresh water. Out of that, only 70% of that water, well, that's tied up in glaciers. So if we screw up the fresh water, you can't really just jump over the next planet and grab some for your neighbor, right? So part of the uh, thing that we're doing is a, a two-minute presentation. I'm creating an exhibit for it um, that you will feel like you were in space. Uh, stars all around the Earth in a holographic three-dimensional uh, presentation in front of you rotating. And you're in a space station looking out about 7,900 miles off the surface. And it will tell you about how precious the fresh water is and what we can expect. So that's very cool. A lot of fun. Very, very cool. For people that have followed my career for the last, never mind how many years, uh, for three years I did the Earth Matters with Bill Curtis series. We had a syndication, 300 episodes. We did over a three-year period. Millions of people around the world had information they normally wouldn't have. These were only a minute long, so I researched, scripted, produced them. And Bill Curtis, with the great voice from A&E, hello, and Bill Curtis, he voiced all Oh, he was a great guy. Yeah, man. he still is. Yeah. He still is. Absolutely. Yeah, so he, he uh, voiced all those. And, Doc, we talked a lot about the freshwater thing. So you re my ears really perked up when you when you uh, brought that up. So that's very, very cool. Hey, Doc, is that is that, is that at the uh, aquarium down by the old Coast Guard base? Yeah. Yeah, we're right next to the oh, I just building went, I just went through that last year. Hey, Wally, next time you're in town, give me a buzz. We'll hook you up with everything. Yeah, it'll be there. Well, I'll see you Christmas time. Jealous. <laughs> um, Jealous. <laughs> all right, Wally. Of all of us here, I'm, I don't know that I'm surprised. Well, part of me is surprised that who your bosses may or may not be. But the fact of the matter is uh, that you uh, you kind of came out of the whole deal smelling like a goddamn rose. What are you doing now? <laughs> Well, I am a goddamn rose. Well, you are a goddamn rose. <laughs> Wally the goddamn rose. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll be quite honest with you. The the foundation that w that that I placed myself on was was grown by people like you guys. Uh, honestly, uh, Art and and uh, Doc and Stipek and Mark. I mean. Where I landed was was really built on the backbones of the people that I served with, and uh, and uh, that that's just uh, they just laid the foundation for the kind of person that I I always wanted to be, and and I and I was when I joined, but uh, you know I I um, I stayed twenty two years. You stayed twenty two years. Are you still there? I'm still here. See, I can Wally's. Hear you, John. Yeah, that's good to know. Come on, Wally. Oh, Wally's turn. Hold on. <laughs> that's hey, there he is. Hey, I'm where back. Where were you? Oh, so, so you cut me out? Huh? No. Where were you yeah. at? Come on, Wally. Tell me all about you, and then we're gonna shut you off. Just can continue. <laughs> I didn't touch a now, thing. Now, 
Hey, actually, uh, our... what, what, what's Who that? What's that? What's that? They don't, guys... they don't tell you about. What? Oh, it's, it's a female tech she from sounded... AT&T out in that box. That can't be. <laughs> she sounded pretty. That cannot be. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, yeah I did. This is a closed system. Well, it was. All right. Damn Ooh. Russians. Well, so listen, let me continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's um, it's really been, it's been a, uh, just a ride that I, I never thought I'd be on, but I know that how I got here was on the backs of a, a lot of people that I, I so much respect, but I, uh, <clears throat> you know, I left Chicago, went to Miami, uh, I did a tour in Miami. Uh, I, I got into the fixed wing pro. Oh, God, here it goes again, Holly. What? Oh, I thought it got quiet there for a minute. Yeah, we're trying to listen. We're well, being, you started you know, talking oh, about uh, Falcons. Oh, my God, you guys are actually listening yeah. to me? Unlike we're being respectful, way. God damn it. <laughs> Whoa. Come on, When did Wally. you learn how to do that? Oh, so, so in any case, you know, I, I left Miami. I went to Mobile. I, I, I actually got into uh, the prime unit for the fixed wings. And I, I really started taking off, man. It just happened so no fast. No pun intended, huh? No, it, it really was. Um, it was amazing when you really sit down and, and, and know what you want to do and know what you're doing. And you, 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 you set yourself up. People will put you on their backs and carry you as far as you want to go. And I, I had some really good folks uh, in the Coast Guard that uh, recognized what I had to offer. And uh, next thing I know, I'm in prime unit for the Falcons. Then I end up in the ARNSC in Elizabeth City uh, in engineering. And uh, and I actually I took the Warren exam as first class. And... and freaking aced it and next thing i know i'm making a warrant one day i go to work uh you know one day i go to work and i'm reporting to a chief and the next day i go to work and he's reporting to me it, it was uh it was a crazy four-year process that uh, uh but i ended up in cape cod uh as a warrant officer and um it was a it was so so much fun uh, it was so much fun working with both sides of the aisle and just building a, a, an incredible uh, relationship with uh, with the enlisted and the officer group and and the operations and maintenance and uh, and then you know I just uh, finally got to the point where Falcon Jet was trying to hire me for years and uh, uh, you know obviously I was I couldn't retire I mean you get you get to 18, 19 years. I mean, you're not going to just quit. And uh, so I ended up at 22 years. I retired, went to work for Falcon Jet, Deso. Uh, they gave me a job here in Chicago as a regional manager for, got covered 15 states as the uh, Deso representative uh, for, for the Falcon Jets. And. Uh, Is that still here? Artie's I'm here, Doc's here. You. What is Wally doing over there? He can got a goddamn airplane fixed. Excited, for his eyes uh, Jesus, Wally, what are you doing over what's there? 
What am I doing? Because the mic what just happened? went out. You you muted yourself, among other things, I'm sure. Can you hear me? Hmm. When yeah, did I leave off? Yeah, yeah. just go yeah. ahead. Falcon tried Where to I hire you. Falcon tried to hire you. They yeah, Falcon, Falcon hired me, and uh, I was a regional manager here in the Midwest. Uh, covered 15 states uh, from 2000 and uh, 2000 to 2006. Um, and then one of my one of my customers uh, operators uh, bought a couple of new airplanes, and and uh, I reached out to them and expressed my. Uh, interest in the fact that they needed to have uh have better coverage of their aircraft and they offered me a job and i took that job in 2006 and i've been with uh with the two uh two pretty lucrative families in, from the chicago area for since 2006 managing their three private airplanes and uh, <laughs> i mean that's where that's where i'm at today and uh, it's it's been a really good ride, but the foundation was all laid with, uh, you know, with the, with what I learned um, while I was while I was in the Coast Guard, and uh, the people that I worked with, and the professionalism that I grew uh, through all those years, and, and that's that's just and and that that dream and and that, that that's available to anybody. Yeah, but you got to go after it yourself, though. Those things aren't just handed to you. Yeah, there's a lot of right place, That's right true. time stuff, and you got to be prepared for it. And Wally's not there anymore anyway, so what the hell? He's gone. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. He left us there. again. He is. He? I know. I feel very <laughs> abandoned here tonight. Well, if he comes back, we'll, we'll, get, we'll put him in to wrap it up. So last thoughts you guys have. Uh, I want to read these names uh, after we're, we're all done talking. I'm going to read the names everybody came. Uh, last thoughts about last week. Uh, your thoughts on how that was and, and maybe your takeaways from that. Artie? Hey, uh, it was an uh, overwhelming success. Um, I'm hoping we can do it again sometime in the future and make it a, a whole day event, uh, just a, a couple hours uh, in the afternoon and a couple hours uh, uh, in the evening. Just wasn't enough time to to reconnect with everybody mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i'm uh really really hoping we can do it again someday augie very cool doc yeah i agree with art um it uh it was like stepping back in time and the, the, the mm. funny thing is it's been 38 years since i saw most of them uh and those 38 years just melted to nothing it's turned to mist um uh, everybody picked up pretty much where they left off. And uh, I was so grateful to see some of the people that I'd been worried about, was they, uh, were they still alive? I mean, those kind mm-hmm. of questions, you you know, you get to our age, start thinking about that. Yeah. And uh, getting back in touch with guys like Wally and Art and, uh, and Mike Phillips and Mike Hicks and, uh, in a sense, of course, Bill Stipek, uh, those guys, when I think about my life, those guys played prominent roles. In them. Don't forget yeah, about the Metzas. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> Jim and John, no. are you kidding? Frick and frack, <laughs> heckle and jekyll. <laughs> oh, and to, you, you got to have John tell you a Marco story, and then just tune out what he's saying and watch him. Oh, I know he's animated, isn't he? 
when he does that oh, whole walk. <laughs> he does that walk in the no, arms. No, 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 no. Yes. You know. <laughs> hey, hey, let me let me ask all He's you guys. What was, the last, what was the last time you guys all saw John Metz? I haven't seen Metz since 84. 86 for me. Same here. I have to tell you, that man changed more than anybody that I saw last weekend. Mm. Not, not. I don't mean. I don't mean changed. He was still the same, John Metza. Yeah. But, but, oh my God, that 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 guy. Uh, it, he just it was so funny. He was so funny, man. Oh my God. Well, I'll tell you. I, I think some some had more effective old man costumes than others. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, we leave me out there. of this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all I know is that it was beyond my expectations, and and you know to see everybody together, I just stood in the corner thinking this is the best thing I've seen in, in years. I never thought how it would come together. Raj and I thought, seriously thought if there's only two of us or five of us, that'd be okay, and it turned out to be quite the blowout. And you know for everybody to come and take the time uh, to get there and the expense to get there. And I'm just going to run down this list real quick while we're all together. You got the Sheik, Roger Shank, and Brenda Woodfalk, and Jeff Strolberg. Oh my God. On, on the oh, tail Jeff. end, on the tail end of one four five nine. I don't know if you guys were there, but maybe Doc might have been on that duty that night. But Strolberg had nothing else to do in nineteen eighty two, two ish, and he he got some paint somewhere and he painted the Chicago logo on the tail section of the one four five nine. It's the logo of the group Chicago. It's still on there. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, Strolberg has no memory of doing. I said, Jeff. We, I mean, you came in and made this. Come out and look at this. So anyway, it was a different. Jeff thing. has no memory of a lot of. Them. I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> One of the all-time greats, Dave McFall, was there. Gary Butler, uh, Kenny McGuire. I didn't recognize Ken McGuire because he didn't have a mustache. He looked like Tom yeah, Selleck back either. in the day, right? <laughs> I was yeah, this exactly. Wally. I was this close to Wally. Hey, Wally! I was this close yeah. to going to get a, a sharpie and have you guys hold it down and <laughs> put a goddamn mustache on McGuire. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I, I think Mark would have And then yeah, you had the gentle so giant, funny. the gentle giant Joe Sherrard, and then you said about Hicks and the Metza brothers and uh, Chief Warrant Officer Kurt Erickson, who to me was like he he looks he the was same like a as he scribe. Did. He was. He absolutely. I call him the scribe. <laughs> that yeah, man walked around that. He walked around that entire day. Yeah, he recorded everything. He did. He and, is. And he looks you know the what? same. I know. He, he does. Same. <laughs> he absolutely and does. He, he is absolutely a true gentleman today, like he was the last yeah. time I saw him. Yeah. And he says, "You can call yeah. me Kurt." I'm like, "I gotta call you, Mr. Erickson." No, you don't. Yes, but, I do. But hey, 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 listen, guys. I mean, look, look at, I mean, we all know how we were, right? We were like <laughs> cowboys. I mean, we were cowboys. And you look at Kurt today. He was exactly like I know, that. I know. Yeah. And he was hurt. He was hurting all of us cats, oh, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> With that calm yeah. voice. He's just, he's hey like guys. calm. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, Unflappable. Unflappable is the right word. Unflappable is the right word. Oh, oh my God. Man. And then, of course. But could you imagine what he thought back then? <laughs> should have asked him. But he was. He's just this unchangeable force, just very calm. He just part oh, the seas the whole time. Great, what and, a great guy. And man. the big capper for me, while it was great to see all you guys, is the fact that Metza went and got Senior Chief Dickman. 
And yeah, and absolutely. the fact and the fact that John did that, he got up early, and the, the the story that I heard now, I had talked to Chief over the years, and I told him about this. He's all Augie, I'm old, I, you know. I, I, I sit here and eat pickled eggs and drink beer. I'm not, you know, what am I going to do? It's a six-hour drive. I'm like, well, we'll see what happens. When I told Metz, he goes, screw it. I'm going to pick him up. So apparently, Chief's wife parked his ass at the McDonald's at 6 o'clock in the morning. He sat there. <laughs> he sat there until 7.20 until Metz picked him up in the parking lot in a van. <laughs> Oh my God! It sounds like a kidnapping. It does sound like a kidnapping. And then they all drove. So you got the Metza brothers and John's wife, who was delightful, Leslie, I believe. And then you got Dickman. And Metza said he didn't. The chief didn't stop talking all the way down, all the way back. It was just. It was like recorded history of the Coast Guard. Yeah, I checked. I checked in in Chicago right after Dickman left, Mm. and uh, I remember everybody telling us stories about moving up to his farm. Yeah, the cow and the whole uh, thing. Yeah, McQuanig. And then you had Jim Smith, who was there in the early days, and uh, Rick White came, and of course Mike yeah. Phillips goes without saying. Lips was there. The Penguin, Bill Stipek, uh, the whole crew. It was just really, really <laughs> something. Chaz. Yeah, you know we got to yeah. get Chaz there next time. Yep. Chief Chaz. Oh my God. Yeah. Chaz. Are... Holy Jesus. And I think I mentioned Brenda Woodfalk, but if I didn't, I have to. She was just uh, delightful to see her. And who knew that her husband was basically a doppelganger for Mike Tyson? Yeah. Yeah. because at one point I was protecting my ears <laughs> I wasn't taking any chances I'm going to eat your eels <laughs> hey Artie come over here What? I'm going to eat your eels so so, oh my God. so at one point I know somebody took a picture and there is Brenda's husband Marco, me, Wally and Artie with bourbon in our glasses, I'm thinking, getting Mike Tyson drunk's not a good idea. Yeah, he was a great sport. He was a great sport. Hey, I I have to tell you, Augie, Melissa had she took a lot of pictures. She had so much fun. Yeah, and she took so many pictures. And I'm looking at every one of these pictures. I'm like, holy shit, we got a glass in our hand. I, every every freaking picture. Oh god. Well, you know, supposed to be and, though. And, yeah, it is. And the toast for Augie with the coffee cup. Uh, oh, for Fergie. Oh, my God. For Fergie. Or for Fergie. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, did I say Augie? Oh, you did. You did. Sorry. Don't even do it. <laughs> hey, but I got to tell you, you know, I, I have to check and see because uh, there, I, there was a, a little um, framed picture, that crew picture from 83 of 1459 out in front of the hangar. And Fergie's mom, Ma Ferg, go figure. <laughs> Um, she loved that picture, it, you know, because George is at the front of the helicopter with his coffee cup. Coffee cup. And, yeah, and and he was always either drinking a coffee. And Doc, remember he'd be pulling on that mustache, just picking away. You have that picture? Well, I have it, but then I, I framed it and I sent it to her uh, on behalf of all of us. And I, you know, nice. I, yeah. And I talked to George a few times over the years. You know, it's just what great guy. And you know, we had a list there of all the guys and th- that were no longer on duty, obviously, and. You know, I couldn't help but think of Rusty Muncie, who was my boss. And yeah, stayed, Rusty. Yeah. yeah, we stayed in touch over the years, and he would have been the first guy in the door and the last one out at this thing. And other guys like Rod Leland, who was lieutenant. And uh, hey, do you remember? Of... Do you remember? Do you remember when Leland used to go down and swim around the the old uh, what? It's the uh, down in Chicago. It's the uh, the pier. Oh, Navy Pier. 
Yeah, Navy Pier. Yeah, 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 I remember doing. Yeah, I remember. Remember, doing that. remember yeah. That you used to you used to do the swim around the Lake yeah. Pier, yeah. Navy Pier every year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we never God, did. Rod Leyland. Another one that didn't make it is Dave Corson. Dave Corson, the brick. The brick. Oh my God. I stopped flying with him. Uh, uh, I I thought halfway through my tour there that this man is so dedicated. Come on, Wally. It's probably good. Good he cut out. Yeah, probably. God knows what he's gonna say about yeah, Corson. I know. I, well, I was I was on that uh, I, I was on his fifth bird uh, when he got his ace. We had uh, flown down to uh, he was doing a couple of flights around the flagpole. Then we went down to Miggs Field. Um, at Miggs, he lifted up into a hover, and we flew on back. And uh, we did a running landing on the taxiway. Oh, he had, uh, apparently forgotten to to take the uh, parking brakes off. <laughs> and the. I swear the rotor disc almost touched the concrete wow. in front of us. Uh, we stopped, and that the the tail of the helo lifted up and then slammed down so hard that the tail wheel was not retractable except on that particular helicopter. Uh, it slammed the tail wheel right up into the fuselage so bad that we had to have ARNSC come out and do the repairs. And we got you've seen photographs of that bulkhead uh, that uh, I think I think Rod Leland was was. Uh, giving it to him. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that. But that was that was his fifth. I was there for his fourth too. But that's another story. Well, all, and I think Lumber Wagon, who was a, a legend in his own time and mine, you know. And so, you know, I don't even know where that. God knows where the where uh, nickname came from. But he used to have yeah. like 1963 satellite with landing lights on it all over the thing. You know. Keith Ross. Oh my God. <laughs> You know, he could step out of the shower uh, he was and always suddenly grease would grow it. under his fingernails. I know. It's amazing. He was like he was like pig pen. There's just stuff following him <laughs> yes. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, could he cook some brats? Holy Christ. He knew his way. Well, he's Eagle River boy from Wisconsin. He knew what he's doing. No doubt about that. Oh, he, and, and he showed me, and I've, I've done that ever since. What a guy. So there was a whole list of, of, of those that uh, obviously were, were uh, across the bar, as we call it. We're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about mini butts. Listen, well. even though this is not <laughs> FCC uh, covered, if you want okay. to go for it, Wally, you just go right ahead. No, 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 no. <laughs> but no. I will say this about that. I know that at the <laughs> somehow. Go butts ahead, is, John. Some, yeah, thanks. Say what you can, John. So, somehow, Butts's name came up when we were out at the airport. I think. And every and Melissa was standing there. Wally, you must have started the conversation. And everybody that okay. walked up and you said mini butts, we all had a version of what that was about with his um, parasitic twin testicle. And yeah, okay. Everybody walk up and all you said was, "What about mini butts? Remember the size of his? Is something was wrong when there were there's and we he'd charge a dollar and we could go walk in and look at it. I and don't the, want to have the doc. One of my nuts shrunk. And then, yeah, and the best, and the best one was the last one. So we're all standing there, and Hicks walks up, and all you said was mini butts. He goes, "Oh, one nut butts." <laughs> so God bless, God bless mini butts, one nut butts, wherever he is. Yeah, I will tell you this: we we were blessed at Air Station Chicago with mini butts with the maxi nut. Yeah. And Maxi Butts. <laughs> right. I don't like to say it. What a crew. What a crew. Listen, you guys, this has been great, but I'm going to have hell editing the shit out of this thing because it's all over the map. But uh, I really appreciate it. You know, I, 
And I've never had the opportunity, even last week I tried to express it, but I don't know that I did, how fortunate it was. I mean, I only spent 48 months in, but how fortunate I was to be with all of you at different times and and then to, to reconnect has meant the world to me. And like all of you, my career in broadcasting and writing books and all this shit I'm highly not qualified for, but just don't tell anybody, so much of that came out of those four years. The discipline I learned, the teamwork, um, you know, knowing your job and doing what you got to do no matter what. And the, every duty night, everything was, was you know, fantastic. So it, it kind of girded something in me that was not there prior to that. So thanks to all of you guys because there isn't a day that goes by and especially the last six months, I was giggling and laughing more in the last six months talking to you idiots than I have been in months and years. I mean, I'd hear little things, even text messages. I'm thinking we're all in big trouble here. It's fantastic. <laughs> so I wanted to thank you guys so much for your service and being so hey, much John, a big you, part you of were, my life. You were, John, you're obviously very qualified to do what you're doing or you wouldn't be doing Doc, it. Doc, it's like, and... a, Doc, I'm trying to tell a joke here. Wally didn't get it. But no, okay. I got it. I oh, okay. got it. Oh, good. Okay. I'm just being a little sentimental. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm all ears now, <laughs> Wally. Hey, wow. Yeah. No. Hey, wow. <laughs> no, seriously, dude. What what you what you've created is amazing, and what you've done with yourself is amazing. And 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 I get it. I, what I've done, I have a foundation as well. Yeah. And you just we mentioned your foundation. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah. There's just there's I've had a lot of friends in my life, and I have a lot of people that uh, that I admire and have worked with, and some are of, of name and note, and some are not. But when I think of the people that have been most influential in my life, it's guys like you. It's those four years and the people I met, the things that I learned about myself and everybody else that I think has pushed me through. So thanks for you guys taking the time. And uh, Wally, I wish you the best. I can't wait to see you because we're all you and I are in the same. Yeah, I'm right zip. here, man. Yeah, we're right here, buddy. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so you and I will be doing the Wango Tango with the bourbon in short form here. Yes, we will. Yep. Uh, tomorrow, I'm, I'm available tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, when I talk to you, he goes, here's my whole, here's my whole calendar. We can drink here, and then we can go here. And, oh, okay, okay. I, I don't know. i got to yeah. tell you guys, Wango Tango does not sound appealing. No, Doc. You know, uh, if it, jealous, we, Doc. we got a crowbar. It's all fine. <laughs> so anyway, and Doc, Listen, you know, I, Doc, I've always enjoyed how you, you're like the smartest guy I know. The stuff you come up with, I don't know where you get it. Uh, it's just been a pleasure to be uh, connected to you all these years and reconnected. Artie, the ultimate Ohio overachiever, man. I When I found out that you had there you go. done everything you've done, none of it surprised me at all. No, not me not, neither. I think if you'd ask uh, Well, it surprised me. <laughs> I'm sure it did. Yeah. I'm sure it did. But I want to thank you for 41 years of service to our country and and uh, and being the guy that you are because it, it mattered greatly. It's Ditto's on that. It's the greatest Absolutely. country on the planet. That's a good I second that, Art. Thank you, Augie. Uh, yeah. I, I really am. I'm, I'm so impressed. I was impressed by you the, the minute I met you, and I'm not surprised where you went. And... Uh, Thank you so much for your service, buddy. Hey, thank you. It was, it was uh, great uh, having that foundation built in Chicago, and I think I said it that night uh, uh, at, at the uh, at the reunion. That foundation propelled me to a, a very very successful uh, career, and uh, and I owe a lot of it to the, those first four forming years. Of, yes, of my absolutely. service, and it was all spent right there at Chicago, 
with a great bunch of uh, men and women, and uh, and it served me well. So uh, my my hat gets tipped to all the people that uh, built my foundation. Well, you know, it's it, it set a bar that is not is I've been lucky in my in my time afterwards and that I've enjoyed everything that I've done and I've worked for some fantastic companies uh, and with some fantastic people. Uh, but the bar set there in, in Air Station Chicago has, has rarely been touched and it's never been it's never been beat. Mm. And uh, for that, Augie, um, being so instrumental in putting this together, I, I like I said, you said four years of service, but yeah, no, no, I, I, I think you should be an honorary retiree at this point. Um, because of what you do for the Coast Guard uh, in its current state and in, in how you're an ambassador for it, uh, every chance that you get. And for that, I definitely tip my hat. But, um, you know, everybody talked about Brenda's hugs. I think you may have busted one of my ribs. <laughs> well, I was trying. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Great hugs, too, brother. Great That's hugs, good. too. That's good. Last hey, thing, and, last, and last thing know, I want to say, well, it'd be great to be an honorary retiree. If, if the penguin has his way, I also could get disability. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, you can have the money go. to go with it. That's right. He's the best. Well, I'll tell you I, what, he's helped me trust him. Oh, yeah. yeah I get yeah. you. I get and, you. And, you know, I, I just want to close out with uh, the fact that, you know, I did six tours, you know, uh, of different air stations. And I, I will tell you this to a man um, – my my station in Chicago, in the four years I spent there with the gentlemen and the ladies that I got to spend there with, uh, really is, it, it was the most prolific and, and most founding point of my career um, that really set the stage for the rest of my life. It, it really was. Uh, and, and, and to that, uh, um, I I owe you all a, a great gratitude. I really back do. Everyone you, that I was stationed with, there. Right back at you. From Aztec shore to Arctic zone to Europe and Far East. The flag is carried by our ships in times of war and peace. And never have we struck it yet in spite of Pullman's might, who cheered our crews and cheered again for showing how to fight. So here's the Coast Guard marching song. We sing on land or sea. Through surf and storm and howling gale, I shall our purpose be. Emperatus is our guide, our fame and glory too, to fight, to save or fight and die, I Coast Guard, we are for you. Soldiers, the Coast Guard marching song, we sing on land or sea, through surf and storm and howling gale, I shall
that marching song we sing on land or sea. Through surf and storm and howling gale, I shall our purpose be. Semper Paratus is our God. 